Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. I want to start by sharing uh, just a word of thanks to Pastor John for doing a wonderful job preaching God's Word last Sunday. Yes, 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 I know uh, that you were blessed as I was by God through Pastor John. God has blessed our church family with a wonderful staff of ministers who love God and who love this church family. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to Exodus chapter 3. We are learning from Moses how to think and live God's way. There are some principles in this passage that we've been studying that we're going to continue studying this morning that were true of Moses years and years and years ago and that are still true of us today. God wants us, like Moses, to live according to these principles. He wants us to put these principles into practice in our lives. The first principle that we looked at a couple of weeks ago is God comes to us with his plan for us. God comes to us with his plan for us. He comes to you with his plan for you, and he comes to me with his plan for me. In Exodus 3, verse 1, Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Meanwhile, while the children of Israel were in oppression and in bondage in Egypt, crying out to God, Moses was shepherding the flock, the sheep, of his father-in-law Jethro. God was preparing Moses in this, at this point because Moses would soon graduate from shepherding sheep to shepherding the people of Israel. We continue in verse 2. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire but was not consumed. Moses was doing his job shepherding sheep and God showed up, just like he shows up for you and for me in our day-to-day lives. Verse 3, so Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? This was a remarkable, amazing, extraordinary sight. A bush in the wilderness on fire was not unusual. A bush in the wilderness on fire but not consumed was very unusual. Moses asked the obvious question, why isn't this bush burning up? God came to Moses with his plan for Moses. Moses didn't go to God with his plan for God to approve, bless, and fulfill for him. God comes to us with his plan for us. We don't go to God with our plan for God to approve, bless, and fulfill for us. God comes to us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. God shares his plan for us by his Holy Spirit in us. God's plan, we see in this passage, includes two points that we identified. The first point, God's plan reveals his authority over us. In verse four, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to the look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. God gave Moses two commands. Do not come closer. Remove the sandals from your feet. These commands revealed, underscored God's authority over Moses. God is our authority. He leads, we follow. Like Moses, our response is to humble ourselves before the Lord. As we humble ourselves before God, we recognize God's authority over us, and we ask God for his help and his power to obey him to live his way. 
The second point, God's plan calls for intimacy with us. In verse 4, when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am. Moses answered. God wanted Moses to come near to him so that he could share his plan for Moses with Moses. God wants you and me to come near to him day by day so that he can share his plan for us with us. God wants intimacy and fellowship with you and with me every day throughout the day, which is simply amazing. The creator of the universe wants intimacy and fellowship with you and with me all throughout each day. Like Moses, we must draw near to God. We humble ourselves before God and we draw near to God. If we want to know God's plan for our lives, we must draw near to God. As we draw near to God in prayer, in his word, in service, in fellowship, in worship, God reveals his plan for us with us. And we're able then to fulfill God's plan in his strength for his glory. And so this first principle is vitally important. God comes to us with his plan for us. Let's continue now in verse six. Then he continued, that being he, the Lord. Then God continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God continued his conversation with Moses from the burning bush. Now, I want you to notice one key point. I know you've already noticed it. In verse 6, Moses knew it was God who was speaking to him. Moses hid his face from God out of awe and reverence for God. He didn't want to look into the face of God. He knew it was God. He was speaking to him. He, he was afraid to look at God. He hid his face from God. He turned in awe and reverence for God. God said, I am the God of your father. This is important. Not I was the God of your father. Not I used to be the God of your father. I am the God of your father, Moses. God was making this point clear to Moses. He wanted Moses to know he's a personal God. He's a powerful God. He's a present God. He's a permanent God said, I am the God of your father. Amram was the father of Moses. In this verse six, we see that Moses was a recipient of God's blessing, his covenant with Abraham, which was passed through Isaac and Jacob. The line of succession for Moses went this way. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Levi, Kohath, Amram, Moses. And so we see this covenant blessing with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that Moses was a recipient of. In Genesis chapter 12, in verses 1 through 3, we read this covenant from God with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob that Moses was a recipient of. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, he would later change his name to Abraham, go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, Abraham. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Say that with me out loud. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham was a man of faith in God. 
Scripture teaches us that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. We know that God fulfilled ultimately this covenant blessing with Abraham through Jesus Christ. Paul told us in Galatians 3 and verse 29, and if you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. And so we are getting some good general information here in verse 6 as the Lord continues to speak to Moses, moving us to the next principle we're going to look at. So what I want you to see here with verse 6 is a couple things. Number one, God remembered his covenant with Moses. God remembered his covenant here with Moses. His covenant with Abraham, he remembered with Moses in his conversation with Moses. God remembered his covenant with Abraham. We know this because we've already seen this in Exodus 2 and verse 24. Look real quick just to Exodus 2 and verse 24. And God heard their groaning and God what? Remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God heard the cries. He saw the people of Israel. He heard their cries because of their oppression and bondage in Egypt. And he what? He remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and, Jesse, and, and Jacob. God remembered his covenant. Second thing I want you to see is God reminded Moses of his covenant with Abraham. So in verse 6, we see God remembered his covenant with Abraham. But in verse 6, we also see God reminded Moses of his covenant with Abraham. God reminded Moses of his covenant because God was going to use Moses to fulfill the covenant. God was going to use Moses to fulfill the covenant. Watch what we continue to read in verse 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So because the Israelites cry for help has come to me and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God saw the people of Israel in bondage, being oppressed in Egypt. God heard their cries for help, their prayers, their cries for help, for relief. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. God knew what was going on, and God decided it was time to act. God would bring, he was going to bring Israel out of the land of Egypt, which we'll see later on in our series. God was going to bring Israel out of the land of Egypt and into a land flowing with milk and honey. The promised land was a very fertile and productive land, a land full of life for Israel. You see, the land promised to God's people was full of promise for God's people because God is a promise keeper. And so we see God is making this clear in verses 6 and then 7 through 10. And then he finishes verse 10 and he says to Moses, Moses, I am going to use you to deliver my people Israel from Egypt. I'm going to use you, Moses. 
The first principle, God comes to us with his plan for us. The second principle I want us to focus on this morning that we see in this passage is real clear, real simple. God is in control, not us. God is in control, not us. He comes to us with his plan for us, and God is in control, not us. Our God is a sovereign God. That means he's in control. He's in charge. He knows what he's doing. We are not in control and it's not even close. I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we would agree and say amen. We're not in control. And quite simply, it, it's not even close. Paul knew this. Paul told us, now you know in part. For now you see only as a reflection in a mirror dimly. Though we have been saved by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, we still struggle with our sinful flesh. We still struggle with the sin that wages war inside of us. A sin that still resides inside of us is a constant battle between the flesh and the spirit within us. And we understand this. And we're not in control. We don't see clearly, we don't know completely, and we don't act correctly. Only God sees clearly, only, not, only God knows completely, and only God acts correctly. We are not in control. And Moses was going to get a crash course in this. God came to Moses with his plan for Moses, and God's plan, oh, by the way, is always God-sized. We just need to focus in on that for just a moment. God's plan is always God-sized, and here's what God's plan is always going to require. And we're going to talk a lot more about this as we make our way through these principles. God's plan always requires faith. God's plan will never be something that you can accomplish in your power and your wisdom, because then there's no glory for God. God's plan is always God-sized, and God's plan always calls for faith, and God comes to us with his plan for us, and then God wants us to know real quick, he's in control, not us. And we understand this, because we know we're not in control, but he is in control. Now, I want you to identify, and let's just take for a moment, I want us to take just for a moment, and identify the extent of God's control that he has already revealed to Moses in our study in these points are true for you and me today. But these are points that we see right here in this passage that we've already seen and we've already covered. We're seeing again in this passage the extent of God's control. When we say God is sovereign, God is in control, not us, what does that really mean? What's the extent of God's control? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Let me give you a couple of answers to that question, a few answers. God, the extent of God's control means that God is in control of creation. God's in control of creation. God spoke to Moses through the burning bush. God was able to keep the burning bush from what? Burning up. God would soon send plagues on Egypt as part of his plan to deliver Israel from Egypt. And oh, by the way, God parted the Red Sea so that Israel could pass through the Red Sea on dry ground. God demonstrated in his word time and again, the Old Testament and the New Testament, that he is in control of his creation. We can rejoice this morning because God is still in control of his creation. Amen? 
God stills the storms and parts the waters of our lives today. As we follow him by faith and embrace him step by step, we see that reality. But secondly, God is also in control of the past. God's in control of the past. God told Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Well, we know as we look back to the past, God provided a ram for Abraham to sacrifice instead of Isaac. God provided for Jacob and his family to be reunited with Joseph in Egypt so that they could survive the severe famine. God blessed the faith of Amram and Jochebed when uh, they placed their faith in God rather than following uh, Pharaoh's orders. And God blessed their faith in him by protecting Moses as Moses grew up. God reminds us in the present of his control of the past. God reminds us in the present of his control of the past. God shows us his work yesterday so that we'll trust him today. He shows us his work yesterday. So we'll trust him Today, remember, we don't live in the past, we learn from the past, and we can lean on the past. We don't live in the past, and as we look in the scripture, we look at all that was written for us, which was for our encouragement and instruction so that we might have endurance and encouragement and have hope in the Lord. We also know as we look into our own lives, we look in the past, and I can think in particular of times in my life where I faced situations, where I faced storms, where I was in the middle of challenges that I wasn't quite sure how on earth I was going to get through. I wasn't sure how it was going to to get resolved. I didn't see any way forward. And yet now as I stand here this morning, I can look back and all I see is the power of God, the protection of God, the grace of God, the sovereignty of God bringing, bringing me through. And you can do the same. You see, he said, Moses, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He wanted Moses to know, Moses, I'm not just in control of my creation. I'm in control of the past. Third, we see that God is in control of our circumstances. He's in control of our circumstances. God, when Moses' parents, Amram and Jochebed, gave Moses up, God gave Moses back to them so Jochebed could nurse and raise Moses. While Moses was shepherding sheep of his father-in-law Jethro, In the fields, God was preparing him to lead the nation of Israel out of bondage in Egypt to the promised land. God watches over you and me, and God works in us in all our circumstances. He watches over us. He's in control of our circumstances. We know and understand all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. We can rejoice in our circumstances because we know no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We know nothing or no one can separate us from the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. We know greater is he who's in us than he who is in this world. We know that we can give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances because this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. And we can rejoice in the Lord always because the Lord is always with us. So we know this. God is in control of our circumstances. And when it looks like everything is out of control, and it certainly looks like that today, when you look to the world around us, it's out of control. But that's why scripture calls us and tells us, don't look at the world around us, 
Look to the God who is in control of us. Keep our eyes fixed and set on him. God's in control of his creation. He's in control of the past. God's in control of our circumstances. But fourth, we see that God's in control of people. Praise God he is in control of people. Think about this with me. God led the Hebrew midwives to disobey King Pharaoh's order. God led Pharaoh's own daughter to disobey her dad's order. God led Pharaoh's daughter to pay Jochebed for nursing and raising her own baby, Moses. God hardened the heart of Pharaoh, which we'll see later. He literally hardened the heart of Pharaoh through the 10 plagues so that God could display his power and glory to Israel, to Egypt, and to the surrounding nations through how he led his people through the exodus from Egypt safely to the wilderness and promised land. God, get a hold of this, led the people of Egypt to give the people of Israel silver and gold as they left Egypt. Scripture says that the Israelites were able to plunder Egypt. Normally that comes as a result after defeat in battle. In this situation, Almighty God just went ahead and showed his control over people and he had the people of Egypt give them silver and gold. They didn't have to go through a battle. That's how big and how awesome our God is. Our God's in control. Now listen, we can't change anybody. I can't even change myself, much less anybody else. Why? Because I'm not in control. That's why. I'm not in control. Only God is in control. Therefore, only God changes people. God changes me, God changes you, and God changes those around us. Even those we may not think, oh, there's no way God's going to change that person. Not a chance. I mean, I married him, but I don't think God can change him. I'm just kidding. Just, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. We, we do that a lot. Oh, there's no way. There's no way, God, you can change that circumstance. God, I don't see what you can do with that situation in the past. There's no way. God, there's no way you can show your power in a way that will change what's going on in the world around us. And God reminds us, listen, I'm coming to you with my plan for you, and I'm in control. Not you. I'm in control. God is in control. God does what is best when it's best. Say it with me. God does what is best when it's best. One more time. God does what it's best when it's best. And he proved that eternally. When you question it, others question you. And others will say because of the Horrible things going on in the world because of the evil in the world. How can you say this? God proved that he does what is best when it's best. Eternally, completely, fully. When he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to rescue us from our sins by way of his death, burial, and resurrection. We, who deserve justice and eternal separation from God, have an open door now to receive forgiveness and enter into a relationship with God that includes fellowship with God both today and throughout eternity. God does what is best when it is best. Now, here's a key point I want us to see. 
So we're going to see here in this passage, as we hone in a little bit closer, we take a little bit deeper dive. God chooses to use us in his work. Here's a key point. God chooses to use us in his work. Let's look back in this passage. Look at what we see here in verse 8. Let's look at verse 8. First of all, God said, I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from a land, that land, to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. What did he say? What did God say? God said, I have come down. God said, I have come down. That means God said, I heard and I've seen the cries of my people, and it's enough. I have come down to rescue them. I am going to get involved. I am going to act. I am going to rescue my people. That's what we see here in this passage. Now I want you to look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. Therefore go, God said to Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Hello. God told Moses, I am sending you to Pharaoh. God told Moses, I am going to use you to lead my people of Israel out of Egypt. God chose to use Moses in his work of delivering, rescuing, saving Israel. Moses could not rescue or deliver Israel in his power and wisdom. Moses could only deliver and rescue Israel in God's power and wisdom. And so we see here in this passage something that we see throughout the Word of God. It's this wonderful truth. It is the truth of God's sovereignty and our responsibility. We can't explain this truth fully, but we can trust it joyfully. God is sovereign. He's in control. He knows what he's doing. He always does what is best. He's worthy of all honor, glory, praise. For his name, he is in control. God is sovereign. And we are responsible to walk by faith and trust in him day by day. We see God's sovereignty and our responsibility come together beautifully as it relates to salvation. God and God alone saves. We don't save anybody, God saves. God knows the heart, God saves. But God chooses to use us in his work of saving folks. That's why Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. That's why Jesus said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always till the end of the age. That's why Jesus said, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and give glory and praise and honor to your Father in heaven. That's why Paul said, how blessed are the feet of those who, what? Bring good news. Peter said, always be ready to give an account, to give a reason for the hope that you have and to do this with gentleness and respect. So we see God's sovereignty and our responsibility beautifully linked. And the good news for you and for me this morning is simply this. God's calling comes with God's equipping. God comes to us with his plan for us. God's in control, not us. God's calling on us, his plan for us, comes with his equipping. God called and equipped Moses to deliver Israel. He didn't just call him to deliver Israel and send him on his way and hope for the best. No, God called and God equipped Moses to deliver Israel. When God calls you and I to a task, he equips us for the task. 
When he calls us to a task, he equips us for the test. So many pastors have said something like this before. God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. When God calls us to a task, he equips us for the test. So when we look in scripture and we look at all the one another's, for example, all the one another's, forgive one another, love one another, encourage one another, pray with and for one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, carry one another's burdens, confront one another, comfort one another. When God gives us all the one another's, he's calling us to those one another's, but he equips us for those one another's by the power of his Holy Spirit working us. And so this is beautiful for us to be able to see. His calling comes with his equipping. Therefore, when we join God in his work. God chooses to use us in his work. His calling comes with his equipping. When we join God in his work, we see God at work. When we join God in his work, we grow in our faith in God. When we join God in his work, we grow in our love for God. When we join God in his work, we grow in our awe and worship of God because we see him. We've got a front row seat to watching him work. When we join God in his work, we are blessed by God. When we join God in his work, we're able to be a blessing to others for God. God knew all of this. He was sharing this with Moses. Moses, I got a plan for you. Moses, I am in control, not you. I'm going to use you. I'm going to lead you. uh, And I want you to lead my people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. I want to be, you're going to be the one that I want to use. And he knew all of these blessings were in store for Moses. God knew this. He wanted fellowship with him. He wanted to be able to bless him. He was going to grow him in his faith and in his love and in his awe of God. He knew Moses would be blessed. He knew Moses would be a blessing. He knew all of these things. He knew Moses was going to get a chance to see him work in amazing ways. You mean to talk about the plagues. You talk about parting the Red Sea. You talk about the plunder. Oh my gracious. He knew all of this as he was calling Moses. God knows the same for you and for me. He comes to us with his plan for us. He's in control, not us. He's a good God. He's got blessings upon blessings upon blessings ready to pour into us as we follow him by faith. Does that mean God's plan for us is always easy? No. It's rarely, if ever, easy. Quite honestly, it's not possible for us. It's only possible in the Lord and his strength. And we already know there's going to be opposition The Israelites had the Egyptians as their opposition. We got opposition as well. Around us, our enemy, Satan, as demonic forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We know this. But we also know God's calling comes with his equipping. God is in control. He calls us. He equips us. He does his work in and through us. So he gets the glory. And we get the front row seat. And all the growth and sanctification and blessings as we watch God do what only God can do, which is exactly what he was calling Moses to years and years and years ago. So what's our application today? What's our takeaway? What's our application this morning? I believe God's speaking something very clear and very simple to you and to me this morning. Our application is to rest in God, is to rest in God. When we try to figure everything out and when we try to work everything out, we stress ourselves out. When we ascend the throne of our lives, we make a mess of things. 
When I ascend the throne of my life and bump God out, I make a mess of things. When you ascend the throne of your life and bump God out, you make a mess of things. We can't know all, be all, or do all because we're not in control. Since God is in control, we can rest in him. The psalmist said in Psalm 62 and verse 1, I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. The psalmist said in Psalm 62 and verses 5 and 6, rest in God alone, my soul. My hope comes from him. For he is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will not be shaken. Rest in God. My brother, my sister, God's message to you and me is to rest in him. Rest literally means to be still. It means to be quiet. It means to wait on the Lord. It's like the psalmist said, be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted in the heavens among the nations. I'll be exalted on the earth. As we rest in God, here's the key. As we rest in God, we are renewed by God. As we rest in him, as we're still, as we're quiet, as we look to him and wait on him, we are renewed by him. Now I want to be clear of one point so that we don't walk out of here and and mistake what God's calling us to do today and this week as it relates to resting in him. Resting God does not mean do nothing for or with God. It does not mean that. Rest in God. He wants you and I to rest in him today, this evening, this week. As we rest in God, we look to God. The psalmist said in Psalm 25 and verse 15, my eyes are always on the Lord for he will pull my feet out of the net. Praise God, he pulls our feet out of the net, amen? My feet get tangled in nets all the time. All the time. Always getting tangled up. My thoughts, my feelings, my words, my deeds. But see, we keep our eyes on the Lord always for he will pull our feet out of the net. As we rest in God, we look to God. As we rest in God, what we've seen, here and learned, we cry out to God. He hears us. We cry out to him. We tell him what's going on. He knows. But we carry around stress because we act as if he doesn't know by trying to take care of it in our own strength and power. And the whole time God wants us to understand, hey, rest rest, be still, share with me, I know what's going on with you, just like he did with the people of Israel, as we rest in God, then we wait on God, and boy do we hate to wait, but it's so important to wait on God. We just find our rest. We wait on Him. He'll lead. He'll guide. He'll speak. And then as we rest in God, we, we trust Him. We trust Him. We trust and we hold on. When everything outside of us screams a different message to us, we hold on and we know that God 
is in control, that he knows what he's doing. He's sovereign. He loves us. We can trust him. It's part of that faith he's building in us that we need to exercise. Listen, we see this clearly. I know you see this in this passage. God didn't need Moses. He didn't need Moses to deliver Israel from Egypt. God chose to use Moses to deliver Israel from Egypt so that he could not only bless Israel, but so that he could bless Moses. God doesn't need us to complete his work in his world day by day, moment by moment, step by step. God chooses to use us in his work day by day, moment by moment, step by step. And as we rest in God, he reminds us he's in control. As we rest in God, he renews our passion to follow him by faith day by day. God is calling each one of us here this morning, especially those of us who are here in person, those of us who are streaming as well, all of us, those who will be watching this later in the week, over and over again. God's calling us this morning, right here, right now. He's calling us every time this is seen again. He's calling us to rest in him. He sees, he hears, he knows. He understands. He will do what is best when it's best for you and for me. Whatever it is, that is causing us stress and keeping us from rest, take it to God, leave it with God so that you can find rest in God and be renewed by God so that you can continue to follow God by faith, step by step, today and this week. As we humble ourselves, as we draw near, we now find our rest in God and in God alone. Our salvation comes from him and our hope is in him. He is our rock. He is our salvation. He is our stronghold. And we will not be shaken. We will not be moved as we find our rest in him because he holds us in the palm of his hand. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team's coming this time to lead in our response to the Lord. And I want to encourage you, brother, sister, to respond in obedience to the Lord. The Lord's calling us to rest in Him. That means for me and for many, if not all of us here in this room, there's some stress going on in our lives that, that He's wanting to let the air out of. Whatever it is that's causing you stress, whatever it is that's keeping you from rest, whatever it is that's pressing in on you and producing those actions of trying to take care of everything frantically, whatever it is, whatever that need, whatever that hurt, whatever that concern, whatever that question, whatever that doubt, whatever it is, 
Take it to God. Leave it with God so that you can find rest in Him. He longs for you and I to rest in Him. Our pastors are going to be standing here at the front. They'd love to pray with you, pray for you, pray over you. If you have a need, care, concern, you can make your way to them. You don't have to wait. You can go even now. The altar is open as it always is to come and kneel and do business with the Father. Maybe you want to grab a your spouse, maybe you want to grab a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ. You need to encourage someone. You need to be a blessing to someone. You know someone's going through a time of stress. Someone's got one of those needs that are overwhelming and maybe God wants you to go and pray over them, pray for them, bless them, encourage them, love them. That's what we do. That's who we are. We're family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And let me remind you, friend, if you've yet to receive God's gift of salvation, by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then I would encourage you to make that decision right here, right now. Life's not gonna make complete sense. It's not gonna work out the way you want it to work out. People aren't going to do and be who you want them to be and what you want them to do. What God wants you to know is, is He and He alone is the answer for your every need, your every concern, your every question. And he's opened the way for you to enter a relationship with him by the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus is alive. And he is the way for us to enter a relationship with God. We would love to introduce you to God, introduce you to Jesus and help you to place your faith in him this morning. You find, and we find our rest in God by his grace through our faith in his son, our savior, Jesus. Let's stand and let's worship the Father this morning.